0: Well, good morning, Hope Markham. It is truly just an honor and a joy to be here, to be here with you, uh, but be together as the body of Christ. I think that's the most important thing as we gather, we gather together today. A thousand hallelujahs. Can I get an amen to that? A thousand hallelujahs. Amen. Amen to that. And uh, fully agree. Today uh, is going to be uh, perhaps just a slightly different. We're going we're gonna to look in Luke chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles with you, we want to open up to Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 25. Um, but today is a missional focus. It's, uh, it's a Compassion Sunday focus, and I'm going to be talking uh, out of and preaching out of Luke chapter 10. I'm going to share a little bit about my own story um, and I'm also going to talk about Compassion's mission and ministry, uh, and we'll all be challenged in Jesus' name. We'll all be challenged. It is Father's Day today, and uh, for many of you, that may be a joyous day where you can celebrate and remember your father. But I also acknowledge that for some, that may not be a joyous day um, it, there may be pain related, and I just want to acknowledge that today. My own father passed two years ago, uh, uns- wasn't ready for it, didn't know it was going to happen, all in the Lord's timing, um, but he passed. And so today um, I'm thankful that he is in eternity with Christ in heaven, but, but also sad that he's not here today so that we can have, uh, you know, our typical, you know, meal on Sunday afternoon. So let me pray. Will you bow with me? Father in heaven, truly, you are deserving of a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. And so today, Lord God, as we, we start today by looking to your word, we start looking at the examples that you've given us, God, the many stories and the many testimonies that you've done in our own lives, but also in the lives of many globally around the world. Father, we come together with over 8,500 churches through Compassion's ministry who are praising your name this morning, who are looking to you, God, as their salvation. God, thank you, Lord, that you came, that you died for us, Jesus, that you rose again. And Father, you've promised eternity in heaven for all those who believe. And so we come together, God, recognizing who you are, but also recognizing, God, all you've done. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you may be familiar with a popular evangelist and Bible teacher by the name of D.L. Moody. Uh, Some of you may know D.L. Moody. He lived back in the 1860s. And just before I get to the scripture, I want to tell you just a little bit about D.L. His name was Dwight L. Moody. And uh, he uh, lived down in Chicago and uh, he really cared for children and youth and young adults. He cared for them because back then in the 1850s and 60s and 70s, poverty was very common. In fact, that was what uh, how most lived. It wasn't like today. It was very different. And back then, uh, and DL truly had uh, a big mission, uh, a big ministry called Mission Sunday School. And he, he helped hundreds, if not thousands, of children living uh, either on the street or in poor circumstances and truly um, needed help, truly needed help, both sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ of who he is and also helping uh, provide for their daily and practical needs and their care. And D.L. recognized that. Many of you have come to know the D.L. Moody Bible Institute, which is very popular and exists today. And you can go to Chicago today and you can visit and take a tour. Or you can sign up and attend. Uh, you can do that too, if you're interested. But D.L. Moody, near the end of his life, was so moved by what he has done, he said this. And there's a scripture, one of his many quotes on screen. D.L. said this. If I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to to reaching children for God. My entire ministry. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean your entire ministry? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what he said. And wh- what he meant by that is that DL understood and knew the impact of a life changed. He knew what children and youth, young adults coming to know who Jesus Christ is and live that out uh, for life could really accomplish. In fact, the scriptures have given us over 450 times that children are referred to in Scripture and, and how to care for them and how to love them and how to introduce them to Jesus. In fact, D.L. was doing something very important, similar to Compassion's ministry that you're going to hear later. He cared for them spiritually, but he also cared for them physically. And he, he really ministered to them. Many people don't know this part about D.L. Moody. They just know about the Bible Institute. And I thought as we get started today, this may be an encouragement to you and set the context and tone for what we're going to talk about today. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. 25 says this, then an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus to say, and said to him, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked, how do you read it? And the expert in the law answered, he said, love the Lord your God with all your whole heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up this question and said, and here's the good Samaritan parable story that we're all generally familiar with. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, when he passed by on the other side, uh, sorry, when he saw him, he passed by too on the other side. But when a Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I come back I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers, the one who showed mercy to him, the expert said. And then Jesus told him to go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Some of your translations say go and do the same. Go and do the same. Our title today is go and do likewise. We're going to be talking about what it means to exemplify and fulfill scripture and go and do likewise but let me ask you a question how do you find it these days to go and do likewise how do you find it in today's culture uh, and in today's environment how do you find it living this out how do you find it some of it say oh easy peasy dean i got that i'm on it well and if that's you praise god keep going if that's not you and you're just, well, it's a little complicated today, Dean. Like, right? It's a little more challenging. Uh, times are changing. The culture is changing. It's, in fact, it's more difficult than ever to live out the scriptures and to live out specifically what uh, Luke 10 is saying here. And I understand that. And I understand that that is true. You know, uh, your own church, Hope Compassion, um, you know, I loved uh, when I did some research and I found that uh, the Good Samaritan, you know, in sharing the gospel, but also in living and caring for those in need, uh, using the Good Samaritan scripture as an example, uh, is exactly uh, what you're about here at Hope Markham. Um, and uh, if you're not familiar with that, take a look on your, your, your missions tab. There's a, there's a spot there, Hope, Compassion. It's really exciting to see all that you're a part of. In fact, there are over 2,000 references in the Bible, in the Scriptures, that talk about uh, caring for and loving. And I don't think I need to convince anybody today of what the Scriptures say about helping those poor and vulnerable uh, and, in, and in need. Uh, out of today... Out of the scripture today, we're going to be looking at four points. I'm going to expand on four points today. The first point is this, and we're going to turn back to verse 27. First point is this, and you'll see God requires total devotion to him. Total devotion. If you're taking notes, have a look. Total devotion to him. What do I mean by that? Well, in verse 27, if we take a look at verse 27, it says this. And, and it's so interesting that Kelsey said it earlier. She, she prayed as we were getting ready to uh, take the offering and that earlier about loving the Lord your God. Well, well, guess what? Here it is. And Kelsey and I didn't talk and collaborate on this. This is, this is so cool. Verse 27 says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself total devotion to him. Now, most of us think automatically of Matthew 22, right? The great commandments that we heard, right? We just think that, oh, that's, that's exactly what that means. And it does, but it's actually referring back to a more complete scriptural text in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Maybe you could all just turn. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. What's happening here in verse 27 is truly coming out of Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and if you t- have a look there, and I, I just like this, this better picture, this more complete view truly of what Jesus is, is saying here, what, what, what he's really meaning um, as the expert in the law is trying to understand about what to do. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 says this, starting in verse 5, 5 to 9. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Well, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, there's, there's no wiggle room there. It, it, it means exactly that. It should be obvious. Loving God, loving our neighbor, living out our faith should be very obvious. And people should know and people should recognize what that means. Our, our conduct, our interactions with one another, with family, friends, and strangers. One, I wonder what the gas station attendant would say what your conduct, you know, you go in there, you know, so, hey, that person at Shopper's Drug Mart, what do they see? What do they see? Do we love our neighbor? Do we care for them? Is it obvious for me and, and for you? Is it obvious? Are we living totally devoted to God into his word into his scripture and loving our neighbor as ourself? Well, because Jesus Christ loves us and he has a plan uh, for you and for me and for his church he gives us this this responsibility you know sometimes we we think of it as a burden but truly it is a responsibility but it comes in a form if you're taking notes it comes in the form of a privilege to serve and honor him our responsibility is a privilege to serve and to honor him in that scripture Uh, Jesus then goes on to reply and says, uh, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. If you do that, then you will live. What does he mean you will live? To have eternal life? Yes. But you see, in this moment, the expert in the law was trying to be just that, an expert in the law. He was trying to find a way to earn salvation. He was trying to find a way through his own self-interest. So if I do A B and C, then I get D, right? If I if I work hard enough, if I make sure that I follow the letter of the law, if I do that, then I will have eternal life. And that's not what Christ is referring to here. So he asks a question. He says, "But who is my neighbor?" Who is my neighbor? You know, Jesus says here, love your neighbor as yourself. We don't often look at this one particular part. Love your neighbor as yourself. How much do you love yourself? How much will you do for yourself? How much will you protect yourself? How much will you care for yourself? How much will you care for your family? At what length will you go for those you love, for your family? Jesus gives this example and says, that is what I'm asking you to do for your neighbor, which is a tall order. It actually, in fact, it seems too much maybe, but that is what he asks. And again, we do it in the form of a privilege to honor and to serve him and to lift up his name and to glorify him. But who is my neighbor? Well, he he continues to go on in verse 30. Who is my neighbor? Verse 30. So Jesus took up that question. And we get the Good Samaritan story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell into the hands of robbers, stripped him, beat him, and left him half dead. In life, left him half dead. In life, point number two, the road seems rocky. The road appears rocky, seems rocky, feels rocky at times. You know, this road going from Jerusalem to Jericho that, was, that, that the Good Samaritan, or that the Samaritan was walking up along that day, that road was about 27 kilometers long, that walk. Now, I'm a runner. I, I may not look like it, but I'm a runner, and I like to run. And uh, I, I've run a few famous races in Hamilton. It's called the Around the Bay Road Race. I've run that five times. That's a 30-kilometer run. Um, I've done that. I do it in about three hours. And so, I mean, hypothetically, I I guess I could run the Jericho Road uh, in three hours. By the way, it's downhill. And here's a picture. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You you can see it winding down. That's the actual Jericho Road. It winds down. It winds down. uh, It it descends about 3,300 feet. So it's an easy-peasy downhill run, right? Well, maybe, except the road is rocky in life. The road is rocky. There are places in life for people that are gonna, that wanna, well, <laughs> steal, kill, and destroy, but there are, there are people in life that are gonna attempt to rob us, attempt to take advantage of us, attempt to ambush us. And it happens. It happens all too often, unfortunately. And so, you know, as we look to Scripture and we look to how what God has promised us, we wanna keep that we want to keep that in focus that, that you know, one day somehow when we may get swindled out of money or possessions, there are many different kinds of robbery that sort of take place, if you will. But our faith in Christ is never stolen. That's something internal. That's something no one can take away. And although you may not be beaten like this man in the story that Jesus has shared with us, you may be wounded or hurt in life. Anybody wounded or hurting right now? Family, friends, situations in life. Anybody hurting right now? Well, there's encouragement. (laughs) There's encouragement. The scripture tells us in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says this. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And when that endurance has had its full effect that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Be aware. Count the cost. Expect to go through trials. Expect to go through trials. But be filled with hope, the hope that Christ gave us. Be filled with hope. And since love and hope know no boundaries, there are no boundaries for love and hope in God's kingdom, that leads us to point number three. Love knows no boundaries. Love knows no boundaries. Verses 31 to 33 says this. A priest, as he was going along the road, he passed by, and so did the Levite. And then when the good Samaritan came along and he saw the man, this is my favorite part. Can you imagine? Can you guess why? He had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. He went over to him, he bandaged his wounds, poured on olive oil and wine, and then cared for him. And then cared for him. And when I come back, I'll reimburse you for everything, anything else that you have uh, that, that that you may spend on him. Before we get too hard on the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side, and then the Levite who passed by on the other side. Um, you know, they probably, at the time, from from the best information that we have, uh, they wanted to remain clean. They didn't want to uh, get become unclean, and they had religious rules that they had to follow. And so, in just in, in instead of uh, uh, loving their neighbor, they were just loving God. In this example, they were loving God, but not loving their neighbor. They had they had the God part right, but they had the neighbor part wrong. But before we're too hard on the priest or the Levite, how many times have I walked by? How many times have I walked by? I've seen it. I know somebody's in need. But, but I, I don't have time, Lord. Right? I don't have time. I have somewhere to go. I have some place to get to. I have to get... I'm speaking this morning at Hope Markham. I can't stop, Lord. Now, what will they say? If I came in 15 minutes late. What would you say? Grace and love, knowing that we're all following what Christ would have for it. It is significant to me that the person that Jesus commended was neither the religious leader nor the lay associate, the priest or the Levite, but truly a hated foreigner. The Jews viewed the Samaritans and actually practiced open hostility against them. Have you ever experienced open hostility? I'm sure you have. I hope that it does not continue. Jesus asserts us in this time that love knows no boundaries, that he will be at work in and through his body. If we are loving our neighbors as ourselves, we are caring for and doing what needs to be done. We, and we do it, we, we, do it. we, we pray, we, we ask God, Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Lord, show me. I just want to serve you. I want to do well. I want to help my neighbor. And then he does, and we're not ready for it. Lord, not now. Uh, Lord, I'm not ready. Uh, Lord, I, I don't have, I can't. What if this? What if interruptions in life? are really invitations. Interruptions in life are really invitations. Well, the good Samaritan that day, he reached into his pocket like I am, and he pulled out two denarii. And he gave those denarii to the innkeeper. These aren't look like denarii. These are actually Ecuadorian centavos. Cincuento centavos. I just bring that as an example. He gave two denarii to the innkeeper. How much is one denarii? Single denarii. Anybody know? Somebody probably knows. A full day's wage. So, two denarii is two full days' wages. He helped two full days' wages. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know who carries. Uh, back then, you would just carry your cash in your pocket, but two full days' wages, and he would give that to the innkeeper. And that would allow this good Samaritan who was beaten up, left for dead, and needed help to recover. In fact, that amount of money would give him two months to stay in the inn, to recover and to eat. And not only that, but when he returns, he'll pay any extra. God does not put any boundaries on our love and compassion for others. We just have to be in a position to be open and to respond and to consider how to do that. It's often, I find, have found, it's in the hard thing. You know, you, you ever pray to the Lord and just, God, give me an opportunity, Lord, and a thought comes to mind, and you say, well, no, no, not, not that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that, Lord. Certainly that's not from you. The hard thing, going and talking to your brother going and talking to your sister when a wrong has happened. Yeah, those things, going and happening. But all of this is well and good, and that's nice, and all this is great, we're loving our neighbor, but but nothing happens, point number four, nothing happens unless we go. Go and do what? Go and do likewise go and do likewise. It's truly living out First John chapter 3, where you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another, but let us not just love in word or in speech, but rather in action and in truth. In an action and in truth. So what does go look like for you? What does it look like for me? Well, I know that this church has many ministries, many local ministries, and you're clearly involved in several, and I encourage you to continue on in that. But remember Acts 1, verse 8, and be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Let me paraphrase. Let us be witnesses in Markham and Pickering, in Toronto, in Ottawa, and to the ends of the earth. Nothing happens unless we go and we live this out. And so for Compassion's ministry, for us, our invitation today is to become a, a, a sponsor and, a, and, and, a, and a, somebody that comes alongside and advocates and cares for someone in need globally, to become a missionary, if you will, to one child. That's how we do it. That's how we do it globally, locally, around the world with over 8,500 churches. Just like you, Hope Markham, every one of our churches is meeting like you. They're strategizing. They're living out a missional call. They're caring for millions of children around the world that, that need help and families and opening their doors. Our invitation today is to become a sponsor of a child in need or multiple children not just one. How many children do you have? Two, three, four? Take four children home that you didn't come with today. (laughs) It's a great practical application. Knowing what's going to happen. I'm going to expand a little bit on Compassion's ministry and why would I choose Compassion? Why would I do that? I don't really know too much about you yet, Dean, or Compassion. Some of you probably already do. I'm going to share that in a little bit, but I want to just share with you now how my own faith journey was affected by loving God and loving my neighbor. You know, before I became a believer twenty-seven years ago in Jesus Christ, um, it was June nineteen ninety-eight, um, and Father's Day was coming up, just like today. Father's Day was coming up, and and I asked Dad, uh, "What could I get him? What could I get you for Father's Day?" And he said, "Oh, Dean," he says. Uh, Well, my my electric drill is worn out. You know, the old Milwaukee electric drill, that's worn out. I need need another one of those. But if you're really asking what I need and what I'd want is for you to come to church with me on Sunday. Come to church on Sunday. I said, Dad, no, not church. (laughs) I don't want to go to church. Why would I want to go to church? What's there for me? Why would I do that? He said, Well Dean, remember when you were young and I took you and your brother? And remember the remember those people that we met? And remember John and Gabe and Bob? Yeah, and remember Glennis and Judy and the other Judy? Yeah. Well, okay, I'll think about it. Thanks, Dad. I, I, I think about it. And I, I ended up in Home Depot. And I'm standing in Home Depot, and I'm looking at all the electric drills. There's the DeWalt and the Ryobi, right, and the Milwaukee and all of them, right? And there was so many. There was just a whole wall of them. I didn't know which one. But then there was this still small voice in the back of my mind. And it said, what I really want is if you'd come to church on Father's Day. And so I thought, okay, well, that's what I need to do. If that's what Dad really wants, I need to do that. And so the very next morning, I showed up, 10 a.m. There was Dad up at the front. I went up and sat with him. Biggest smile I'd ever seen on his face. He was so happy. He was giddy. You ever get giddy? He was giddy. He was giddy. And so there I was. um, But I wasn't prepared that day. For what Pastor John was preaching on that day, I had no idea that, that giving dad his Father's Day gift was something that I wasn't expecting. You see, and as Pastor John opened the Word and preached, it spoke directly to my heart. You know, I can only identify as hearing truth for the first time. There was something deep in my, in my soul, in my stomach, in my gut, there was something in my heart that was resonating and resounding that I was hearing truth. There was something about it that just made sense. Unlike anything I'd ever heard in this world before. I was 28 years old. I'd never heard anything like that. And so that night over dinner, you know, you get together, we had dinner and everything. And, and, and as Pastor John was speaking, he said several words that really resonated deeply within me. But I, it, it became really apparent to me that, that Dad and John had talked together because some of the things that John was saying was just resonating so deeply. And it was clearly that they had had a side conversation knowing that I was, I was coming. No, they hadn't talked. I said, Dad, I know you talked to John. What, you know, why would you tell him all that stuff? He said, what stuff? I said, well, you know, stuff about life and living life on purpose. And God has a plan and a purpose and a will and a way. And Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. He said, I didn't talk to him. Dean, that's God talking to you. So, what turned out to be this Father's Day gift of me giving a gift to my father on Father's Day actually turned out to be the greatest gift that I could ever receive in receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I came to faith and I went to church every Sunday after that and was soon baptized and come to know who Christ is personally. And so praise God for that. Praise God for that. Pastor Paul Whittingstall, when I met with him nine months ago, he said, Dean, you gotta tell him that story. You gotta tell him that story. Praise God that he's glorified for that. Well, you know, um, that spoke to me, and that really helped me to then love my neighbor. And and very shortly after that, I was out uh, at a church one Sunday morning, and I was visiting, and they had a compassion volunteer get up. And that Compassion volunteer came up and started sharing about Compassion's ministry. And she did a little presentation and talked about going to the Dominican Republic and meeting her sponsored child and played a video. And I just thought that was so incredible. I thought, well, okay, now, now I understand my responsibility. And, and it's, a, it's a joy and an honor to live that out. What can I do? And so I sponsored Malucan that day. This little boy. He was five years old the day that I first saw his picture on the table amongst so many others. And so I sponsored Malukin that day. And I thought, God, this is how I'm going to live out my faith. I'm going to love you and I'm going to love others. And so I sponsored him that day after hearing what Andrea had said about Compassion's ministry. And here's why I sponsored with Compassion. There's three distinct reasons up on, the, up on the, you'll see on the screen, there's three reasons. I learned this about Compassion. They're Christ-centered, they're child-focused, and they're church-driven. The number one thing that really resonated with me is that the love of Jesus Christ and the person of him was most prevalent throughout Compassion's ministry globally, sharing who he is loving and highly valuing discipleship and evangelism that was so, so important. Recognizing that sharing the good news of who Jesus is, living it out in the way of Jesus in through good works is this fantastic uh, intersection. I want to be right in the middle of that intersection. Who likes to stand in the middle of intersections? Not too many of us. I do because that is where the the good news and good works live out and are lived out. That's how we globally address poverty—a spiritual poverty, but also a physical and a social, emotional, and a cognitive poverty that exists. And that's how we do that. We're child-focused because we just we do believe that God has a plan. Uh, for, over, I said earlier, over four hundred and fifty-eight times, uh, script, children are mentioned in Scripture, and each one of us, all children, are made in the image of God. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us, and everyone is made unique, and every one of them globally around the world have have problems and issues, and we we recognize that we want to address the God-given talents that they've been given, and that we want to resource them to overcome poverty through the partnership that that, that they have with the local church. And we're church driven. Uh, around the world, we uh, operate as a silent partner through the local church on the ground in 29 countries now. Um, we really, we're truly, the, the global local church uh, drives uh, the, the ministry needs and our activity. And we, as that silent partner, can come alongside to equip and empower the local churches to do many things, to share the gospel, to give a Bible to every child, to assign a mentor to care for every child, youth and young adult. When I say child, I mean child, (laughs) youth, young adult to 22 years of age. We want to equip them, empower them, and resource them so that they can be released from poverty. Compassion's mission to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. To be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Globally, you'll see a picture on the screen. This is our global picture of compassion. Um, And you'll see all of the the blue are are the 29 countries that we're we're active in uh, right now. Uh, There's only 27 on the screen because guess what? We just expanded. We just expanded into Cambodia and we just expanded into Zambia. And so we're very excited about that. Malawi, Zambia. Uh, Myanmar. We're also in Myanmar, formerly Burma. And so that's been very exciting for us. And so those are all the countries that we partner with and have all those 8,500 churches, evangelical churches that are working to care for and love children in need. Why do I say all that? Why is that important? Well, it's important because it was a practical way for me to live out my faith. And for $47 a month, this missional call to care for and love a child, just like D.L. Moody, recognized they need help physically and spiritually. For me, living out the Good Samaritan parable was fulfilled that day when I sponsored malukin And over the years, my wife Sarah and I, we were able to, to write Malukin and we were able to watch him grow up. And there's a picture of him growing up and, and every 16 or 18 months compassion that will give you an update and watch Malucan grow. And we continued to to watch him grow and change. And he would write us and tell us his favorite Bible stories, his favorite scriptures. We were watching him literally be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Learning skills and getting developed and sharing so much. Now Sarah and I always wanted to go and visit Malukin. It was always a dream for us to go and visit him. It was Maloukin's dream to become an engineer. He always wanted to become a civil engineer. That was always apparent in the many years, the 15 years that we sponsored him until the day came when we knew that he was going to be graduating soon. And I don't know about you, but Ethiopia is just not on your typical Sunday afternoon drive. It takes a little more planning, a little more purpose. But Sarah and I had been praying and asking God... For an opportunity to go and see Malukin. Lord, surely there must be an opportunity uh, for me to go or for us to go. But God was just silent on it. There was no answer. There was no call. There was no opportunity to go. And one particular night after many years, Sarah and I sat down on the couch together. We prayed one final time. We knew Malukin was graduating. And we prayed together and said, okay, Lord, um, we understand that meeting Malucan in person is just something that's not going to happen. And the investment that we've made in him will need to be enough. And that is enough. And that is enough. And so we prayed and released (laughs) Malucan in Jesus' name and said, Lord, have your will be done, not ours. And that was our prayer. I'm sure many of you have prayers, have prayers here that you've been praying and asking for something in your life, something personal. Well, as God often does, um, it was just the next day that my wife, Sarah, uh, got an email from her boss at work, and uh, her, her, her boss at work had informed her that she had been nominated to go on a missions trip to Kenya um, and to serve for two weeks on the ground. And she had been nominated and selected as that person. And I said, wow, good for you. Well, we're not going to Ethiopia, but you're going to Kenya? That's a close second. Sounds pretty cool. Congratulations. I'm so excited for you. And then Sarah turned to me and said, well, you know that Ethiopia is next to Kenya. Like it, what if when you're done if we could maybe contact Compassion and maybe I could fly down and meet you and then maybe we could go and visit Malukan. So we called Compassion. We said, hey, is this a possibility? Could we maybe do this? And they said, yes, let's do it. Let's book it. The plans were made. The flights were booked. Uh, all of that, th- this reality of coming to visit Malukan in person was going to happen after all these years, was going to happen. So we're getting ready for the trip. We went to the Dollarama. We got the backpack. We filled it full of practical items and all those things, you know, as you do as you're getting ready to go on a missions trip and leave the backpack and leave them some things. And then we got a phone call from Compassion. And they said, well, we have good news and bad news. Okay, what's the bad news? The bad news is when you get there, Malukin won't be there. The good news is that's because he's been accepted into university and we've made arrangements for you to fly to Draydua University and visit him on campus instead. I said, no, that is good news. No, that is good news. Not the good news, but that is good news. And so um, here's that day. There's Malukin and my wife Sarah and I and the chance to spend the day at to our university and guess what course to get his undergraduate in civil engineering. And so we were so grateful and so thankful that we could spend the day through Compassion's ministry to do that. This 15-year span of time felt like it was coming to completion that God had a plan and that this was being lived out. And we laughed together and we prayed together and we cried together and we talked about scripture verses and we we learned so much more about one another that we hadn't learned on paper and it was so encouraging but Malukin asked me uh, us this one question he said this he said why me of all the children why me I said Malukin there's a story in the Bible called the Good Samaritan. It's in Luke chapter 10. Let's turn to that now. And we did. And in it, it says to love God and love your neighbor and give the example. And I said, Malucan, I didn't choose you. I was just being obedient to what the Lord has entrusted to me, and I could live out my faith. And Malucan, it's time for you to now live out your faith. Malucan, may you now go and do likewise. May you now go and do likewise. Hope, Markham, there's many more children out there with stories that are being written just like Malukans, just like many more. I brought 56 children with me today that have a story that's yet to be told. Markham do you think we can take care of that today do you think we can do you think we can rally together and take care of 56 children today and make a difference and make make an opportunity and live out what God has asked us asked us to do okay yeah I I heard a yes down here I heard a yes down here (laughs) but truly let me encourage you and let me inspire you there are many many stories out there Compassion sat down with uh, several of our alumni. One particular alumni uh, was Eric. And Eric was one person that sat down. We've got a video of Eric we're going to watch. And it describes if you only knew what the impact of sponsorship meant. Like Malukin's story, you would have a good idea. I can talk to you about it all day long. But let's watch Eric's story now.
1: How magical that moment was. When I knew that I have a sponsor now, it changed everything, literally. My name is Eric. I'm born in a family of eight children, four boys, four girls. My father died when I was eight years. And the time my father died, it changed the whole story. The relatives from his ancestral home came and took away all the wealth. At the time, we were barely left with nothing. Life was never the same at that point. It meant uh, not having access to better health, not having access to good education. We so much wanted to be at school, but we never had an opportunity. That was all gone. An uncle who worked with Compassion as a volunteer, he got in contact with my elder sister. Uh, They worked alongside with my mom to have us registered in uh, Compassion program. There was this big rail of hope, Compassion coming in. When I knew that I have a sponsor now, this was another highlight to me. Like uh, getting a sponsor, it changed everything literally Um, worth. I have a life, I'm loved. I'd just finished university. She came and surprised me. Is there anyone who would desire to come and like, take care of you? Is there anyone who would be thinking about you? From the other end of the world, you receive news that someone is coming in
0: Actually, Eric, we have a message from Dorothy and we'd love to share it today.
1: Hi, Eric! It is so good to be able to send you a message today. I had no idea the impact my sponsorship would have and it's just been amazing to see how far you've come since I first started sponsoring you when you were eight. I am so proud of you and I'm definitely going to friend for life. Keep in touch. I think of Dorothy, I I just see a person who changed the world, who saw a desert and believed that there is water, it can turn into a big tree, it can turn into a forest. Sponsoring a child with compassion is giving an opportunity to live. It's more than just picking a name, it's more than just sending the little money, writing letters, it's more of giving a life and making that life worth living and very meaningful.
0: Interrupting poverty with hope, the hope of Jesus Christ physically and spiritually is Our practical application today, we want to live that out. We want to be able to make a difference, be encouraged, and knowing what's going to happen with each and every one of the children that that you sponsor. You'll be able to write them. You'll be able to correspond with them. You'll be able to pray for them. And so we want to invite you. If you're here in person today, um, you saw the compassion tables when you came in please just stop, Um, select a child. There's there's children all all over. Select a child, grab one of the profiles, fill it out, and give it to uh, one of our volunteers. If you're watching uh, us online here today, um, you'll find uh, on your Hope Markham webpage right now on the front of it, you'll see a sponsorship link there for compassion, um, and you can do that right from home. Uh, for today when you're, when you're online. This is uh, the, 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 the QR code that you can scan as well. If you prefer to do that digitally from your phone when you're out there as well, you can do that. But Hope Markham, truly an honor and a joy to live out this responsibility that God has given us, to do that together as the body of Christ, to live out faithfully what God has asked us to do. So allow me to close in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord God, for this day that you've given us, God, the chance, God, to honor you, God, to care for and love children and youth and young adults around the world, God, that are find themselves in low-income countries in such need. God, we are the church, the body of Christ, and have the responsibility and the privilege to do that, and we're so grateful, God, that you give us that opportunity to do that, not out of guilt, but out of an invitation to honoring you, and to caring for someone in need. Jesus, we're grateful for all you've done for us. Let us be reminded as we, yeah, you're, you're, you're deserving of a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. And so this day, as we wrap up, and God, we, we look to you, Father, to be the sustenance of our life, not just in word, but also in deed, in action and in truth. We commit all this to you. God, may we go today, this Father's Day, in your name, in Jesus Christ's name, amen.